Well, now we get to the part that I'm familiar with. I'll let you know if it was worth it. If it's too bad a trouble, it wasn't worth it. And so, baby, you're loved. You're loved. They did miss you, and I did a terrible job of, and I forgot stuff, and it was horrible. And so, you're needed. But we're now to the part of the service that I'm supposed to be familiar with, and this is where we're, we're teaching. So get your version notes out, get your scratch pad get your bulletin out and we are closing out this series that we've been kicking on for the last seven weeks and um we've been going through a series called summer school and man that's a real school is just weeks away and it's just closing in quickly but during this when we talk about summer school we've been looking talking about the fun stuff of summer not having to repeat a class or get ahead or something in academic summer school we've been talking about camping we've been talking about we've been talking about um windsurfing we've been talking about water skiing we've been talking about all sorts of cool stuff and today we are wrapping it up with something that, with all of these activities, something that has to happen. And a lot of teens have jobs at this. In fact, we have one of our very own teens that's a lifeguard. And I was going to have a little video interviewing him, but it, uh, I, I'm not, obviously not a very good camera guy, and it didn't work out so good. And, um, but lifeguarding is part of summer. It goes along with it. It's a teen summer job. It's been around forever, and it's there to make sure all of the other cool stuff that we that we partake in keeps the life in it and it doesn't become something destructive how horrible is it to go to the beach and where someplace you're going to have fun and have some some sort of tragedy take place or go to the pool or go to the lake or any of those kinds of things that's not what this is about lifeguarding is a key key aspect to to this and what we want to understand is that living in christ that is more what we're doing God has given us life in Jesus. We're not here to try to attain something from God. We're not here to try to attain it. God has freely given us everything that we need, everything that pertains to life and godliness is ours in Christ. And now, instead of trying to get a hold of something, we're now at a place of learning to steward what we've already been given. We're learning to take care of it and to protect it. And that is what this lifeguarding is all about. So open your notes and this is, we're <clears throat> talking to, we're going to get launched with this idea that God is constantly growing us from the inside out. We've said that for seven weeks in a row because it is true. You all weasel that into other series in the future because it is true. We are on a constant growth pattern. You and I are, have this awesome life of God on the inside of us when we say yes to Christ. And it is being revealed more and more as we walk forward with him. And see, and this growth stays steady as we choose to live in that life that Jesus had provided for us. And part of understanding that and living it is understanding what you already have access to. So many times you will end up settling for less if you don't know what's already there, what's already provided, what's already there for you. And uh, I've shared this story before, and uh, uh, it's just the best story I have in my life for, for me Missing something that was just right there under my nose that was already mine. And um, years and years ago, when I was about 9 or 10, um, then I was at home chilling at the house. 
And my uh, dad walks out and he has this nice plate of nachos. Okay? He has these nachos that he had made. And for some reason, when I saw the nachos and I smelled the nachos, immediately I desired what? Nachos. I wanted nachos. Okay? Now, my dad is a good steward, a good dad, you know. So his nachos, I didn't take, good ex- I didn't take a, a good look at them. But when I went to the, to, the, to, the, to the pantry, and then I found that the Doritos that my dad had, had emptied the bag. He would used even the little bitty teeny crumbs at the bottom, just them little bitty things that you got to put like a lot of them together with cheese to try to build a chip out of it and like glue them together. And um, even all those little bitty pieces. And so, and that's what his nachos were made of. And the bag was empty. It was in the garbage. And there were no Doritos. And I wanted nachos. And once you've awakened the desire for nachos, you cannot put it away without nachos. And so I decided that, you know, my, my dad understands a good deal. And so I offered to buy the nachos from my dad. So I said, Dad... I'll give you what I thought was a lot of money. I'll give you a dollar for those nachos. And so my dad probably had had a bite already, realized the quality of those nachos, and realized the dollar was better. (laughs) And he sold me that plate of nachos for a dollar, and I am sitting there eating them. And I'm enjoying them, and I've got them, and and my dad doesn't have them anymore, and now I'm the nacho king of the house. And I'm eating the nachos, and then I see in just a few minutes later, my dad comes into the living room, and he's got a plate of nachos. Now, And, and these are the fresh, whole chip, fresh bag, awesome nachos. And I had looked in the pantry. Now, of course, you ask my wife, I'm not talented at looking for stuff. And so I'll think it's not there when it's really there. And so, and... um so apparently I've been that bad at this my whole life. And so I went to the pantry, and I had looked. I had looked. Um, but my dad had gone and looked on a shelf, I guess, that I'd missed and found a brand new fresh bag of Doritos and made himself some fresh nachos and what nachos are supposed to be. And he comes in there, and he's eating the nachos. And, man, now I, I feel like I've been played. Now I feel like my dad did it. He saw me. He knew I had a dollar. He, he got this scheme up. He worked it. And I'm like, man, I've, I've, I've been taken advantage of. And I'm like, Dad, this just isn't right. I need my dollar back, you know. I, this is, I, I want my, this. I bought these because I didn't think that there were any other chips in the house. And he's like, no. <laughs> and, and I ate stale nachos and had no dollar. And the thing is, is that they were... Those chips were mine the whole time. They were in the house the whole time. They were there for me to enjoy the whole time. But as soon as I got into the place that I thought that I began to have to apprehend something or get it on my own or work and be crafty or figure out a way and do all this on my own, I robbed myself of what was already there the whole time. My little panic desperation of seeing the empty bag assumed and, and walked in assumption that I was going to have to do this on my own. I tell you what, folks, we, there's more life available to us in Christ that's already yours than we can really wrap our minds around. What I wake up every day going, God, help me to understand all that's already mine. In fact, Peter says in the word that he prays that we would understand what's already ours in Christ. What's already ours. 
See, and it comes down to this truth, folks. John 10.10. Because see, sometimes there can be junk in the world. There can be bad. And then we get into panic mode when the bad happens. But we have to understand the source of life. John 10.10 says, The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. Only! The thief comes only for that. This is Jesus' words. This isn't somebody else saying it. Jesus says, The thief comes only to steal and to kill and to destroy. And I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. See, if we're going to guard life, we're going to have to understand and really know what life is really all about. We've got to understand the, the, the battle, the, what's really at play here. Because if we get focused in on some of the little intricacies of it, we're going to get distracted, and then we're going to get off and we're going to lose what's really valuable and not guard what's really life. See, Deuteronomy 30, 19 says, This day I call heaven and earth as a witness against you that I have set before you. Man, that while we're here breathing oxygen, this is true, this is true, this is true. Right here, you and I have access to both life and death, blessing and cursing. Now choose life so that you and your children may live. We ate. We, in our Kajillion greats, grandparents, Adam and Eve, ate of the knowledge of good and evil. And we now have knowledge of the good and the evil that is here and that we can have access to. And now, in that knowledge, we have to, on purpose, choose life. We're wired for life. We were built for life. But, folks, we now are in a place where we have to choose it so that we can live and have that life. And look at it. Look at this life so we may live and that you may love the Lord your God, that you may love Him, that you may listen to His voice and hold fast to Him. For the Lord is your life. The Lord is your life. That's where it's focused. Every other thing wants that, every other thing the enemy comes at, everything that life throws at us wants to begin to, if it's going to cut us off from life, it's going to cut us off from God. That's the ultimate root of every attack is trying to do that. Cut us off from God because God is our life and He will give you many years in the land that He swore to give your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. See, the purpose of life. You've got to understand this and people ask it all the time. What's the meaning of life? What's the purpose of life? What's my reason for being here? Folks, we, a lot of us will have different functions in life, but all of us center around the same purpose. And that same purpose, folks, is relationship. It's relationship first and foremost with God and then with others. In my role and in my function and the thing I do, it is to build and help relationships. Relationship with God and relationship with others. Yours is the same way. Yours is the same way. Whether you're an educator like Russ, he's there to help and to build people and to help them step into all that they, they have. So, that, so why? Why do, they need, why do kids need to be educated? So that they can do what they're called to do and interact with other people and, 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 and be a vibrant part of society, of other people's lives. Everything centers on relationships. It all does. First with God, then with others. And any and all attacks on us choosing life center. They all come back. They all come back on destroying our relationship with God and others. Uh, most of you that have been around know that in 2008, before we, we launched Celebration Church in uh, uh, 2009, in fact, next month we'll celebrate 
three years from launch. Three years from launch. We'll have been here public in the movie theater for three years. Yes. And it's an exciting time. And um, I did that in uh, September 2009. And uh, in 2008, we traveled quite a bit. And um, during while we were traveling, our means of living and traveling was this lovely, nice, big motorhome um, that us and our five kids at that time lived in. And so we uh, uh, traveled around in this and drug our Suburban behind us. And uh, my plan was, of course, to, to live in it for that time period and then to sell it because um, I wanted to get my money back. And, uh, uh, and so to sell it when it was done, so we worked to take real good care of it and be real good stewards of it. And... Uh, so and it was it was it was it was a lovely motorhome. We really enjoyed it, and we had gone to and stayed at different RV parks. We were at one in Birmingham, Alabama, lovely place, and uh, we're going to be there for a while. And I'd scouted out where we wanted to park and where we wanted to be, and had figured that out, and found this the perfect little place to put the put the motorhome. And as I'm coming. I had traveled all of those roads, and the, I had thought that it was going to be best for me to come in what was basically going the wrong way, and so, so that, I could, that I could pull in. There was nobody around, and as I am going that way, then Cutie, of course, she's riding shotgun, and we come to the fork in the road to go the right way and the other way that I had scouted out. And she says, hey, you're going the wrong way, you're going the wrong way. I'm like, look. Thanks for your help there. You know, I realize the sign says to go that way. I've been this. I've looked at it. I've made the decision this is the best way to do this. And I just whoop, put the little push on her. And uh, so go to pull in and pull the motor home into the slot. And nice big problem, nice big deal, no problem, I thought. So I go to pull in. And what I didn't see... What I didn't see, what didn't show up in my mirror, what didn't show up in my scouting deal, was the, this nice big concreted in log that they had put our lot number in, our little slot number in. And I pull around and whip around and I'm coming in and I've just got, I just got to move ahead about six more feet. And I'm just, it just won't go. And I'm like, hmm. And so, and I give it, and it's a nice big diesel, 350 horsepower uh, diesel engine, and uh, pushing it and going and going, and it's, it's not really moving good, so I just uh, rev it up, think I'm getting over a little rock or something, and go, and then I hear it. And then, and I jump, put it in part, jump out, and I look out, and I'd gone about four feet down the side of that and just scraped about this tall, just scraped all that. It had this crazy, they call it rock and roll tour bus, had all this crazy paint jobs. I'm scraping off multiple colors of paint, just all this stuff. And I'm just immediately want to just go in the bushes and throw up. I mean, I'm just so upset. And then, of course, of course, um, uh, Somebody was right. And it wasn't me. And usually, my wife will even say this, I, I gulp it down and I take my medicine fairly easily. Okay? 
that I'll, I'll go, you were right, I should have listened to you. Normally I do that pretty good. And, but for whatever reason, mainly because I was just so angry, I was mad that she was right, I was mad that I just tore my motorhome up, I was mad, I was just mad. And man, and I just, I, I, I spoke as rude to her as I've ever spoken in my life. And of course, it just, it just, it just crushed her. And so on top of messing up my vehicle and our home, um, then now I have, I have hurt that. So we finally get all everything settled down, and I am laying. Normally I can just go. I can fall asleep. I can lay on this concrete, and I can go to sleep right now. I'm telling you, there are people who have a hard time going to sleep. I don't have a hard time going to sleep. And we lay in that motorhome, and it has the last sleep number bed, and it's awesome, and I can't go to sleep. I can't, I'm just so I'm angry. I'm angry at myself. I'm angry at her, and I just can't talk. And finally, about 3 o'clock in the morning, I'm like, I'm sorry, dear. <laughs> After just seething over that. Man, I'm telling you, that's a forever for me. That, I don't take that long to, to do that. It just takes forever for me. And honestly, honestly, when it was all said and done, all said and done, we were able to buff it out, and there was really no damage done. There was really no damage done. And when it was to the bus. <laughs> oh, watch this. <laughs> but you know what the, the core deal the core issue at that place what was really under attack? What was my temptation to get angry and to not... It was my relationship with my wife. That was what was suffering. That was the thing that I have forgot to guard. I was so upset about this thing that honestly some money and some paint could have fixed even if it was as bad as I thought. And in that process of, of being upset about that, I wasn't guarding what was really important and was destroying something that folks' money and paint can't fix. That it takes something a lot more than that to fix that. In guarding life, we have to first be looking at what real life is. So many times we can get wrapped up in all of the little stuff that represents our lives, like our houses and our cars and our stuff and our this thing. But when it comes down to it, we are hardwired for relationships the only thing eternal around here not even the dirt we're standing on is eternal according to the word of god is is god and people and we have to protect 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 relationships it is so incredibly vital and even when we see this we see this that even when jesus was tempted and we're going to look at him being tempted to to not to not guard life we will we'll see it revealed here let's look at matthew 4 it says, the tempter came to him and said, if you're the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Look at how he starts. If you're the son of God. Yes. This relationship thing that you think you've got going with God. I challenge that. I challenge that. The real core there, the real core at that attack, it wasn't so much about him being hungry. He used it. He had not eaten in 40 days. He was hungry. But the real attack wasn't about him sticking something in his mouth and, and doing that and getting some bread. It was coming against him to question or to try to prove his relationship to his father. That was what the challenge was. That was what it was. And Jesus knows. He answers. 
man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God, just like we had read in Deuteronomy 30, that God is his life. He's saying, God is my real life. I don't have to walk down this little fix it myself, make my own bread thing and prove anything to you. I'm staying connected. God is my real life. I'm not getting sucked into that. Matthew 4, we, here it comes again. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple and yet again, boom, tries to slip that in there. If you're the son of God, throw yourself down. And now I'm going to use my own scripture. The devil says he's going to throw some scripture in there too. You're going to say scripture. I'm, I, the devil says, I know some scripture. Come on, let's do this. He will command his, his angels concerning you and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Here, go ahead. If you're really son of God, then here, this is the scripture. This is what it's going to do for that, for that kind of person. But Jesus, again, doesn't get sucked into it and understands Jesus answered him. It is also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Folks, Hey, and this may be for somebody in this room right now. This was not in my notes, okay? Life tests relationships enough, okay? Don't go around fabricating tests. I want to see if they really love me. I'm going to do this. I'm going to see if they really care about me. Man, that's playing games. That's manipulation. That is jacked up, and you are getting set up for a wreck. Life throws enough tests. There's gonna, something's going to come along, and they're going to be able to stand up and show that, that, how they really care about you. Life throws enough stuff. Don't test those things. Guard relationships. Guard those things. The, the spousal relationships, the child relationships, the, the family relationships, those key friendships in your lives. Guard those things. Guard them. Don't put them to the test. Jesus didn't fall for it. And then here, straight up, man, finally the devil just doesn't hold any punches. Matthew 4, 8 now through 11. Again, the, oops, I, yes, again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him <clears throat> that kingdoms of this world and their splendor all this i'll give you i'll give you all the glory and the splendor the fame i'll make you it if you will bow down and worship me and jesus said to him away from me satan for it is written worship the lord your god and serve him only that attack was straight up i'm going to try to get you to change allegiance just walk away just walk away from your connection with god the father and come on my side you notice Jesus didn't say, you can't even give me that. Yeah, that's, you, you, that's a joke. You see, uh, humanity abdicated that and, and ended that up in the hand. That's why he's called the God of this world. Okay? So there is some glory and some splendor that the enemy can give. He can. But anytime he tries to give it, it's to, for us to forfeit our relationship with God in exchange for it. That is not... What is to happen? Every attack, every temptation, all that kind of stuff is, comes against relationship in some form or fashion. It says, Then the devil left him, and the angels came and attended him. In Luke's account of this, which also is in the fourth chapter, it says, Then the, when the devil had finished all his tempting, he left him until an opportune time. Okay, I'm, somebody needs to hear this as well, okay? Uh, first off, um, Jesus was tempted and resisted. And then look, the enemy came back and tempted him again. You could think, well, if he had really resisted, if the devil just wouldn't have come back. You know, what I don't want you to ever do is for you to go, wait a second, man, I got tempted again. I must not be doing this right. Why? And get, feel guilty about being tempted again. Because Jesus gets tempted three times in a row. Boom, boom, boom. Man, I just keep getting tempted. I just keep, just keep standing. Just keep standing. Just keep standing. 
Okay? Don't ever get under condemnation that all of a sudden that the enemy's after you. You didn't, Jesus didn't do anything wrong. The enemy came in and then the enemy is looking for an opportune time to sucker punch him and come after him again. Don't ever get under that. We have to live in the grace and in the freedom that's ours in Christ and stand and, def- and protect the relationship we already have. We don't have to prove anything. We're Christ, he's ours, and we walk in it and, and live in it. See, guarding life means being purposeful in your decision-making, always being aware of how those decisions impact other relationships. Folks, that's just, ultimately, that's what guarding life is all about. That was where I got off, off course with my motorhome thing, is I forgot about how that decision and how I was responding was impacting my wife. How my my kids... If I've got to disciple anybody on the planet, I've got six little faces I have to be an example to and disciple. And they're watching Dad have a meltdown in Alabama. It is not a good thing. It is not one of my discipleship moments with my children. Okay? It was all of these relationships were being attacked. It's we have to be aware and understand the impact that those decisions have on our relationships man i sometimes guys we can be tempted to work too much and want to provide and all that kind of stuff we have to be aware of the impact that has on our relationships all of a sudden the time that we give up to go earn another buck is also time that we could sow into just spending time with our family does that mean that we quit our jobs and spend all our time with our family no that there's a happy balance in there but what we have to do is we have to walk in the spirit and make sure we don't bend on one side or the other that we have to understand the impact that it has on relationship we have to understand that that is what it means to guard life and so i want to close it down with these scriptures these are some of the things that paul the apostle to the gentiles which unless you're a jew then you're a gentile and it's apostle to us writing to us and telling us to be careful about some things and it always comes down to relationship let's look at first corinthians 13 By the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as an expert builder and someone else is building on it. He's taught, he's helped these people grow, but each one of you should be careful how he builds for no one can lay any foundation other than one that is already laid, which is Jesus Christ. His say is, don't all of a sudden begin to make this Christianity thing about something other than a relationship with Jesus. Okay? Because honestly, all, all of a sudden... The the trappings of church can become a temptation and a stumbling block and you feel like you're doing okay by reading your Bible and you're not really cultivating a relationship with God or by a church attendance or any of these things and we're not really cultivating a relationship with God. We have to make sure that we keep all this focused on Jesus. Romans 12, live in harmony with one another. Don't be proud but willing to associate with people of low position. Most of us are willing to associate with people of high position. We want to be, to be rounded up or looked better or any of those different kinds of things. We need to make sure we're willing to associate with whoever God brings in our path. It's about relationship things. Don't repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everybody if it's possible. Sometimes it's not because sometimes it's not. But if it's possible, as far as it depends on you, Live at peace with everybody. Sometimes people are just going to be crossways with you. And there ain't anything you can do to fix it. But on your end, do what you can to have it be good. Again, relationships. 1 Corinthians 8, 9. Be careful, however, that you exercise your 
the exercise of your freedom does not become a stumbling block to the weak. Here Paul is telling us about all the freedom that we have. Right there we learn about it, that we have the freedom in Christ. That we're not controlled by this list of rules and stuff, that we have this freedom. But then he even says, look, now don't use that to then hurt somebody. Let's use some wisdom. All of a sudden restraint can be this act of love. It's not this legalism thing. It's just, it's an act of love and generosity to somebody that's weak and to help them move along. And then Ephesians 5 says, Be careful then how you live, not as wise but as unwise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery or excess or, or messed up stuff. Instead be filled with the Spirit. Speak to one another. Again, this is how it relates with others. With psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord. Always giving thanks to God for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Submit to one another out of reverence to Christ. All of these pieces. All these pieces. It's how it's dealing with God. How it's dealing with others. That's why everything can be boiled down to love God and love others. Everything. We really begin to guard life when we begin to be relationship conscious. How is this impacting others? How is this doing that? That is where things change. That is what makes the difference. See, folks, God has given us his word. And he's wanting, <clears throat> he's given us his word and he's given us his spirit to empower us, folks, so that we can live the life that's already there, that's already ours, that's already been given us. So that we can keep moving forward. You know what? In knowing Him better and trusting Him more. The reason we stay in the same little cycles is because we're comfortable in those places. Even when there's pain, even when there's suffering, we're comfortable in those places. And somehow we, we, there's this trust there. There's this level of, okay, even if it's okay, there's the, there's the pain that I do know. And I even trust that I can handle that and get through that and make it through that. Versus the thing I don't know. A true life change only happens when we now begin to trust God on a new place. Say, okay, I'm going to take your word at it in this way and I'm going to do this new thing. I'm trusting you more because I understand who you are, God. You love me and you're for me. And all of a sudden, now life really begins to shift. And that's how we grow. That's how we grow. Bless God. So this morning, what we want to do is we want to make sure everybody has that opportunity to grow in this beautiful gift that is, that is so free. You're going to have the opportunity to step over from death to life in just a minute. You're going to have the opportunity to do it. In, in our sin, in a while, we're, we're, we're born in death. You didn't all of a sudden die spiritually somewhere along the way.